So we were here last night trying to record, and it just didn't happen because we were having some technical difficulties. That's code for too much fun. (laughs) (laughs) We stayed up talking. We stayed up really late talking. I didn't get home until like 1, 1.30. And then you even suggested, hey, spend the night. We'll do this first thing in the morning. Like, I got to get in my bed. You, would, you might have been spooked out if you stayed the night. I might have been because you obviously had some things going on. We're, by the way, we're at Carlene's house <laughs> recording. We're usually at my house. I'm Alma. I'm Carlene. And this is Tipsy Tales. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. <laughs> we just recorded for Patreon. We recorded a video. Um, and uh, we did Bloody Marys. Our version. Our version. Our version of Bloody Marys. Yeah. I didn't have to sit back. My speaker's loud, huh? Yeah, you don't have to be right up on it like I do. I have mine. (laughs) I have mine right in my face. I know. I could, like, take a nap on the couch and you could still hear me snore. It's really weird to do this in the daytime. It is. But we're drinking Bloody Marys that we made ourselves. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Just get on there and watch our shit show. Yeah, our shit show. Yeah. They're our version of Bloody Marys. Um, We hope you enjoy our... (laughs) You do have to subscribe to Patreon in order to see it. (laughs) She's mixing her Bloody Mary with her celery stick right now. So obnoxious. That's hilarious. Hilarious. And you didn't get any sleep at all. You had some things happen last night. I think I have um, sleep deprivation delusion. Oh, well, that's always fun. Is that actually a thing? I think I just made up a medical term. (laughs) It could be a thing. I'm telling you, Alma, you did it by mentioning the door upstairs. Yeah, she has this interesting little, like, portico upstairs. <laughs> it's a loft. And yeah. then, like, a balcony. Yeah, and so it has these little, like, windows, and then there's, like, a door, and it faces the street. It's almost like, um... It's so nice to just, like, I have a little, like, um, bistro. Right. Where you sit, two chairs, little table... But I haven't been able to sit up there in as a while. many times as I've been at, by your house. I thought it was just kind of like windows. Mm. And last night, for some reason, I just like honed in on the door, and I was like, "Is that a door?" It's a great place to spy on the neighbors, and they have no idea you're sitting up there, except for the ones that are listening to our show. <laughs> <laughs> I, not that I would spy on my neighbors. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. So this is uh, attempt number two. Take two. I almost made a clap sound, but I don't want to be extra obnoxious. Since since the last time we spoke to you. um, So anyways, we just recorded um, our Patreon video, and we kind of just went over some stuff that happened while we were at the San Carlos Hotel. We had some very interesting stuff happen. If you guys listened to the last episode, you know that uh, Carlene had a little freak out moment. (laughs) A little one? She got wet willied in her ear. I was like, by I'm not sitting there. Forget it. Yeah. I swear I've never seen her have a moment like that. That was hilarious. Mm. Yvette and I were both like, what the fuck is going on? Well, and Yvette doesn't know me, so. Right. She's just she... looking. We're, But we were both looking at you like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Mm. <laughs> With our mouths open. Our jaws are on the floor like, what just happened? And I'm like, I am not going over there until I just had to set some guidelines for some boundaries spirit. for the mm-hmm. the little 
boy spirits that were yeah, like messing you with can, you? You can touch me all you want, but you cannot wet willy me. Yeah. Wet willing is not allowed. <laughs> Fondling is not allowed. Is not allowed. Unless you're a grown-ass man ghost who's really good looking. Ew. No, 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 no. This is the age of me too. We don't allow ghosts to do that either. That's gross. I'm given permission. <laughs> oh my Carlita's god. Carlita Siegel are ready to mingle and obviously she doesn't care if you're in the spirit world or if you're in the At this real point, world. At this point, I mean a cucumber was being exciting to me. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, we got a little crazy with the cucumber right now. Are you sure you want to cut up that cucumber? (laughs) She's like, I might need it later. I should have got two. One for you. Next time I know. Next time. So pathetic. So we've decided that's going to be our thing. Uh, Cucumbers? (laughs) (laughs) And sweaty balls. (laughs) Okay, we are 15-year-old teenage boys in disguise. And we've just had our Bloody Marys this morning. And people just shut off. (laughs) (laughs) This morning, it's 1.42. Oh, it's afternoon. Oh, my God. We're good. We're good to drink. Uh We are fine. Everything is fine, fine, fine. So, anyway, I'm a grandma now. (gasps) Oh, that's... That happened. That's huge. And that's why we're doing this today. Yes, because we had a lot of talking going on. What? What? Oh, it's because the air. No, but it was doing that before. Yeah. What is happening? (laughs) What is happening? It's Shadow. Colleen has the most adorable black cat. Hi, Mama. Which is totally appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I told you about when the police officers came here for my knocker stalker. Oh, yeah. And they were trying to figure out what I do here and asking me all kinds of questions. And then the one he got, he was like, so, um... Is it weird that you do what you do and, and you, you have, have a black cat? <laughs> I go, I have long curly black hair and I have a wand and a crystal ball and my head spins around too. <laughs> you know what? That should be one of our Patreon videos. We should dress up as witches <gasps> and make some brew. And Shadow's our mascot. Yes. He's For Halloween. Your familiar. It's our Halloween show. That's hilarious. <laughs> Okay, we just decided what our Halloween show is going to be. And then I'll call the police and have them come to my door. <laughs> the real police? Well, yeah, I'll have those Or the kind that strips. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Mama's waiting for her door to knock. Yeah. So I was telling you that um, I walked through the door the other day, and I just realized from now on, this house is going to be known as Grandma and Grandpa's house. Oh, my gosh. It's like such a weird Ooh, feeling. Oh, I got chills. <laughs> that is so, so... I mean, look. I absorb... To this day, my kids are adults. And I still love when I hear Mama or Mom, Mommy, when they're buttering me up. I don't care. I absorb... I love the sound of that. Right. And now you're absorbing... Grandma. Right. What are they going to call you? Grandma. I want to be grandma. I mean, of course, whatever he decides to call me. Right. I'm going to go by that because. Let him pick it. uh, The kiddo calls me Titi. Yeah. He picked that name. Oh. It's Titi, 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 Titi. (laughs) I'm going to change my name. Stop calling me Titi. (laughs) I love that my my kids, my ex-husband's dad, 
they call him Bapa, and that was picked by the first grandchild. Didn't call him Grandpa. She called him Bapa because that's right. what she was able to Ultimately, say. Ultimately, it's them who decide, right? I think so. So, and uh, his mom, um, Damon's mom, wants to be called Nana. So mm-hmm. I'm fine with that because my mom was Grandma, my mm-hmm. Grandma was Grandma, like on both sides of the family. So, see, we're I'm Grandma, but I talked to this, talked to, uh, talked to this, talked about this with my son and his soon to be, and. Um, I was like, what would your kids call me? What does your mom want to be called? And she's like, Grandma. And I was like, oh, wait. You're like, wait, I'm Grandma. And Grandma Carlene is really hard to say when they're little. So hopefully they'll come up with their own thing. Yeah, they always do. Whatever's easier to roll off the tongue for them. Hopefully it's not like, oh, there's Grandma. And then they come here and they're like, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. Are we going to see bitch? <laughs> uh, my uh, my cousin Bianca, like she sat in with uh, uh, yeah. us on one of our podcasts. She's and adorable. The first time that she had come down from California and stayed with us, um, her daughter, who's just like what? at the time she was four, going on twenty, it did it again. No, but your thing went out. Yeah, it's doing it again. It is not that. You don't I'm going to so? shut it off. Okay, let's see, because we got the fan going. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. She kept calling Serena Midge, but it sounded like... It just like, did it again. Did I mention we're at Carlene's house? <laughs> Spirit likes to mess with the electronics. Yeah, so. they do. And they did the whole time we were at the San Carlos. And they did when we did our Jesse Shockley, which I have gotten some really good feedback from right. that. Even though we, um, you know, it was hard not being our silly selves, but it was a serious subject. And right. I like that people um, went back... My friend Sally in Chicago, uh-huh. she was talking to me about it, and she's like, I really liked that you guys did that. And then she went back and did her own research on it. And so did she really? Yeah, and oh. that's the whole thing is to, like, bring awareness and talk about, to me, that's what that's about. I don't right. want her to be forgotten. No, absolutely. So, anyway, but she messed with our stuff also. Yeah, she it's did. One- <laughs> Oh my God. Cause we did, we recorded mm-hmm. a whole episode and, and then, it was just roached, completely yep. roached and we, we had, had to, to do it the next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was really weird. And my house is so super active. If you look on my Facebook page, you could see oh, like, yeah. all it the energy. Is. It definitely, well, you want to tell everybody about your experience last night? Okay. After... <laughs> so only it's the weirdest thing. Cause I have that door on my balcony and I've been at this house. I'm trying not to talk too loud. No, you're fine. I've been at this house for 16 years. And in the last week, you and some door knocker are the only two people who have asked about that door out of the blue. Right. So when you asked about it, it threw me off a little bit. And then I go to bed last night and Shadow's doing her lovey-dovey thing. And I'm petting her and I see something go around my bed. And I thought, oh, it's her tail. But then she saw it too, so she was on the corner end of my bed, and she's like standing guard, like, I'm not going to let anything come up here that's not supposed to be. Right. And so I just ignored it, and then as I started to doze off, you know, shut off my TV, it's time for me to go to sleep, all of a sudden I hear something hit that door. Like, like somebody took something, not like a rock or something, but like something mushy, like like a bird hit it, something like that, you know, but 
nothing did. So anyway, I turned the TV on, but had the sound off and I was trying to listen. And then it sounded like something had fallen. I thought maybe something fell in the closet and I checked the closet, nothing fell. And then it just came from that same area, like the balcony, the loft area, but I couldn't figure out where the sound. And then the whole night I just kept hearing little weird sounds. So do you like, when you have moments like that, do you like say, Hey spirit, what's that? Or do you just block it out? You're like, okay, I don't Mm want to deal with this right now. Yeah, I just say I'm trying to sleep. Right. Night night. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't give me like a bad feeling. If it gave me a scary feeling, I'd be like, you know, come clear this house. Right. Archangel Michael, I need you. But it it didn't give me that feeling. No, it was just. It's like, if you have something to tell me, tell me. Maybe they were just, I don't know what it was. Hanging around. Yeah. And like I said, like sometimes I have to get used to the fact that I don't have my kids here. And so, because I'm so used to blocking out the chatter. Right. And so I will hear chatter or like the TV's on and I'll ignore it. And then I'll realize, wait, I shouldn't be hearing anything out there. And I'll turn my TV off or, and I'll try and listen, like thinking maybe it's somebody outside or something. But right. no, it's just, I'm just hearing chatter in my house. We did hear some weird stuff last night, like little swishing noises. Oh, right. It sounded like water, like a sprinkler, you know, like when the, when it, it it goes away. Yeah. It goes away. And then it's like, it's like the fan. (laughs) Right. I think it's, I think it might be the microphones because of the setting that I have it on because I was trying to like cut the fan out. Yeah. So I have it like on a really low setting. So it like doesn't pick up all that ambient noise so it okay. could be that. well since we know it's not the fan this okay bitch is going back on okay <laughs> all right so speaking of bitches I oh, you're gonna ask you me about something my, else? no <laughs> no i was telling you about my uh my cousin's daughter oh yeah my little cousin uh she's like she was calling serena midge and huh. i guess it's like one of the barbie characters i have no idea so she's like, midge this, midge, th- midge that. But it sounded like she was saying, hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch, come here. Bitch, what are you doing? Hey, bitch. Like, that's what I was hearing. And that's, that's what my cousin was hearing. So every time she was like, bitch, where are you? Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> but she was saying midge. <laughs> well, my niece, I think it was my niece. It might have been my nephew, but I could have sworn it was my niece. Would say, you know that... Um, Oh, shoot. What is it? It's the... Hold on. Ah, now I can't remember. But anyway, she would say fuck instead of the actual word. My sister, when she was little, she would say... It sounded like instead of saying fire truck, you know, she was saying fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Kids. Kids, 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 kids. Shall I'm going to go crazy trying to think of what that song was. I'm going to have to ask my sister what that song was. That's going to drive me crazy even though nobody cares but me. What's that one song? Blinded by the light. Wrap it up like a douche. That's what it sounded oh. like to like <laughs> seriously like for the longest time like why is he talking about douche? <laughs> Oh my god, I can't even ask her because I don't even know how to say it. Why is he talking about... Why is he talking about a douche? douche. It's douche. 
Is it Deuce? I have no idea. I, I sing all of those songs wrong. Right. I do too. By the everybody out there is not going to be able to sing that song without hearing Deuce. Okay. Oh, God. All right. So let's sing. We have our stories. Um, who wants to go first? You. Okay. <laughs> well, that was an unequivocal you. You. And go. go. <laughs> okay, sweaty balls. Oh, sweaty. Sweaty. I have to have another cupcake. Oh, my God. So I got the best cupcakes from Fry's, and they're um, red velvet, and they have a really, like, light whipped cream Cream cheese I'm going to try one right now. They're so good. They're so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take a picture of you. She just shoved the whole... She shoved the whole... <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> We're a little silly. We're a little silly from uh, recording our little video there. We got Thank a God silly. you guys can't see what I'm doing. Oh my I'm God. eating like a lady in a trap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my story is called the Tom and Shude case. It's out of Australia. It sounds like I'm panting inside. <laughs> it's a <sighs> oh yeah, give me that <laughs> Come to mama. Come to mama real good. <laughs> I'm sandwiching. She just took the bottom part off of her cupcake and sandwiched it and made it into a Twinkie. <laughs> I don't know what I'm watching right now, folks. <laughs> Is this a thing you do? <laughs> oh my god. Maybe that's why I can't get into it. Are we talking about dates in the spirit world? Maybe we started talking about that lady that married a spirit. Like the pirate spirit. Yes. It was... Uh, that was weird. What was Johnny Depp's character in the uh, Pirates of the um, Caribbean? I gotta put that in my mouth. Hold on while we break the cookie monster. Uh, <laughs> where's my phone? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know what why I'm a cow heck was that thing anyway she married the guy the spirit yeah johnny depps jack sparrow yeah i knew that wasn't it jack sparrow or am i wrong no you're right you are right so she married the ghost of jack sparrow that's so weird and then a few months later she divorces the spirit of jack sparrow so weird. And if you watch like the interviews with her, she's a nutter. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? You think she just wanted attention? Yeah, I think she's freaking off her <laughs> rock. 
That was weird. I you made you a lot article. of crazies doing this. Right. I, I've had to like, I either try to bring people back to this world or I just let them do them. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. All right. Tom and should. We should get to our story. Hold on. I'm almost done. Okay. So we don't have to hear. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't think I have to tell you guys she's licking her fingers right now. <laughs> Listen, these are the best cupcakes. They are. They're, they're so seriously good, the right? best cupcakes I have ever had in my life. I don't know if they're even fries brand, or maybe they are. They're delicious, is what they are. It's the it's the whipped cream thing. It's not whipped cream. It is it's fries, but it says cream cheese whipped cream. Oh, whipping topping, but it, yeah, it's a cream cheese. But it's whipped, so it's light and fluffy, and yeah. oh my god, it's, I've bomb. never had anything like it. So bomb. All right. All right, well, <clears throat> that was delicious. That was interesting. Watching really you. <laughs> <laughs> you just I can't even. I can't even talk shit, because I was eating one right before we even started recording, yeah. and I you probably sounded You should see me eat a worse. Reese's. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. How do you eat a Reese's? How do I eat a Reese's? Uh-huh. Reese's peanut butter cup. Do you eat them? Yeah. Very slowly. How? I usually take the wrapper off the bottom and eat the chocolate off the wrapper. Uh-huh. And lick the middle a little off the back. Uh-huh. This sounds really dirty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then eat it. Eat just it. to eat it? Just shove it in my mouth and eat it. Oh, okay. I make it last way longer. Okay. But people make fun of me. Take off the wrapper. And then I eat the chocolate around first. The Because it's thick. Right. And it's delicious. Yes. Sometimes it's so good, it'll peel all the chocolate, on some of the chocolate on the top, too, because right. the peanut butter is really good. Oh, my God. Isn't it the best uh-huh. peanut butter ever? Yeah. And What are they sometimes... using there? It's not regular peanut butter. No, it's almost like peanut butter with, like, some powdered sugar or something. Yeah. But anyway, and then so I used to, like, ball up the peanut butter, and then... <laughs> But now I don't have time for that. <laughs> I actually, so I eat the chocolate, sometimes the chocolate on top, and then I chow on the peanut butter. It's phases. It is. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. All right, folks. We're, we're just going to get right into the story here. I think we've, they've had enough. I think they've had enough torture already. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, so my story is the story of Tom and Shude. Uh, the Tom and Shude case, otherwise known as the mystery of Somerton Man. And the story is from the land down under Australia. It's uh, December 1st, 1948, on Somerton Park Beach, just south of Adelaide, on, in South Australia. An unidentified man is found dead about 6.30 a.m. Oh, that's early. Yeah. The man was found lying in the sand across from the crippled children's home, and why do they it call sounds it the like it's really children's it's called home. the crippled children's home. It's that's like so that's the weird. title of it. I was looking, oh like hoping God. it was going to be called something else, but it's no. called the crippled children's home. That's awful. <laughs> the crippled children's home. It's 1948. Home. It's 1948. Okay. It's like three years after World War II has ended. So we have to say, how do you talk Australian? Australian speak. Kind of close to us with just a little twang. Like, the crippled children. 
Oi. Hey, mate. Hey, mate. <laughs> All right, we are not going to butcher the Australian thing right now. Yeah, we will. <laughs> At some point, we will. But I finished my... When it, you need to have another one. I know. All right, after we'll take a break in between uh-huh. my story and your story, and then I'll make myself another one. I drank that really fast. So the man was found lying in the sand across from the crippled children's home, which was on the corner of Esplanade and Bickford Terrace. He was lying back with his head resting against the seawall with his legs extended and his feet crossed. It was believed he had died while sleeping. An unlit cigarette was in the right collar of his coat. He was fashionably dressed and clean shaven. There were no immediate signs of trauma or foul play. A search of his pockets revealed an unused second-class rail tri- ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, a bus ticket from the city that could not be proved to have been used, a narrow aluminum American comb, a half-empty packet of juicy fruit chewing gum, Weird. an Army Club cigarette packet containing seven cigarettes of a different brand. Yeah, so he had yeah. one cigarette in his pocket, pocket. unlit. And, and then cigarettes of a different brand. In a packet they didn't belong in. That's interesting. And a quarter full box of Bryant and May matches, which I don't know what the significances of that is. But it was what they didn't find in this person that raised more questions. Not only did the man not have a wallet on him or any sort of identification, and all his tags had been removed from his clothing, um... And it appeared that he had gone through a considerable amount of effort to conceal his true identity. He did or... Somebody did. Right. Yeah. Finally, his dental records were unable to be matched to any known person. What? Yeah. That is bizarre. Um, according to the pathologist... Maybe John, he never went to the dentist. Well, could be. Could I be. Mean, but he's very nicely dressed... I think the cigarettes that he had in, like, the packet that he had was a cheap brand, Mm. but the cigarettes that he had inside the packet were a more expensive brand. So that was weird. That is really weird. Um, According to the pathologist, John Burton Cleland, the man, um, he said the man was of Britisher appearance and thought to be aged about 40 to 45 and in top physical condition. I've never heard... Britisher? Never heard Me that. Me neither. It, I, weird. Yeah, I had to look at that a couple of times. But it, it said Britisher, quote unquote. Huh. He was 5 foot 11 tall with gray eyes, fair to ginger colored hair, slightly gray around his temples, with broad shoulders and a narrow waist, hands and nails that showed no signs of manual labor, big and little toes that met in a wedge shape. Uh, so he had wet feet? Yeah. <laughs> He's from the sea? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, under the sea. Um, <laughs> like those of a... Da- okay, so his toes met in a wedge shape like those of a dancer or someone who wore boots with pointed toes. Oh, okay. And a pronounced high calf muscles with people who... like. That are found in people who regularly wear boots or shoes with high heels or perform actually perform ballet. He was dressed in a white shirt, a red, white, and blue tie, brown trousers, socks and shoes, a brown knitted pullover, and a fashionable gray and brown double-breasted jacket of reportedly American tailoring. And gasp, he wore no hat. 
which I guess that's a big deal back then. Yeah, everybody wore a hat. It's he's like a mesh of everything, like uh, Britisher. He's wearing American, American. clothes. He's in Australia. Really so weird. weird. Um, it's almost like somebody went to great strengths to confuse people. Right. Weird. So there were witnesses that claimed that on the evening of November 30th, an individual resembling the dead man had been seen lying on his back in the same spot where his dead body had later been found. A couple who had seen him around 7 p.m. the night before noted that um, they say saw him extend his right arm to its fullest extent and then drop limply. Another couple who saw him about 7.30 p.m. to 8 p.m., Around the time the street lamps came on, remarked that they had not seen him move. However, they did give the impression that he had changed position somehow. So they didn't see him move, but maybe they like looked away. Or, and or like somebody moved him? Yeah. Is that what they're saying? I have no idea. They did comment that it was odd that he didn't react to the mosquitoes. So apparently there was a lot of mosquitoes out that night. Oh my he God. Hold on. To them. Sidebar. What? Do you know what just came to my mind? What? Last night, we were talking about RH negative. Right, we were. And then we went outside, and I was like, let's go home, because it was so pretty out. Right. And I was pointing up at all the pretty stars. Maybe it was home coming to get us. It just cut out. It's the, the aliens sound don't that want I you heard. guys to know. <laughs> Maybe it was the aliens. The aliens. That's it. They were it's... knocking on my door. It keeps cutting out. And nobody's going to hear that. Once I've edited, they're not going to hear the ins and the outs. It's cutting out. It's just going to be like. So we're just going to say it keeps cutting out. Yeah, it keeps cutting out. Okay. Okay. Sidebar over. Go. I said, that's a big I was like, I'm out. It's the alien speaking through me. I thought you were going to get it. I am going to get Okay. Okay. No. Okay. People are totally going to be like, are we missing something? Well, yes, you are. Our stupidity. It's our alien talk. Right. Because we just discovered that we're both. Both RH negative, so apparently we're we have soul some, sisters. Yeah, we're star sisters. We're star sisters. Uh-huh. We have alien blood in us. Yeah, <laughs> I've known. She just discovered it. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have uh, illegal alien blood in. Me. Oh wait, nobody's uh, illegal. Oh, <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> I hate that word. I'm sorry. Anyways, it was the vodka. Oh my god! But yeah, my dad's back might have been a little wet when he crossed the Rio Rio Grande. Do you know what'd be really fun on top of our? Did we say our idea of what we want to do? I started to talk about it, and And then then we just we should do where like we we like do a, a shot of something, right? Our, our, I mean, the point is, our show would just become more of a shit show as it went on. Absolutely. But I mean, I it mean could more be, than it already is. Right. But it could be kind of funny. Right. Like, pick a, something that, like, every time you say this or do that, you have to take a shot. Right. And then... Every time I say bright. Right. Right. Or right. you say, go. Do, yeah, go. 
or sweaty balls. Yeah. Okay. But we don't have anything to take a shot of not, right now, except today. the vodka, but I have to drink it. Oh, God. Alrighty. Anyway, okay. So where were we? Oh, that he wasn't no, reacting ha- to the mosquitoes. He wasn't getting... Like, apparently, where they were at, there was tons of mosquitoes, and he wasn't, like, slapping himself silly because... Because he's an alien. Right. <laughs> or he's also dead already. Well, yeah. Well, Yeah. Right. Did they not realize that? I don't think at that time. I think they thought he was just asleep on the beach. Apparently it happened often. Are you okay? I think I'm getting a little burpy. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, it's a good thing you're sitting like two feet away from the microphone. I know. They thought maybe he was drunk or asleep. Okay. Okay, We made gigantic. We did. And I drank it really fast. You did. You should be burpy, not me. I'm I'm, I'm not. Am I slurring? Mm-mm. Not yet. Mm-mm. I think it helps that I can manage the microphone instead of me having to come into it. Yeah. Mosquitoes. <laughs> yes, mosquitoes. So another witness came forward in 1959 and reported to the police that he and three others had seen a well-dressed man carrying another man on his shoulders along Summerton Beach, which is, okay, that's odd. That is, but like but, they, maybe they thought he was drunk or something and they were helping yeah, him. Yeah, could be. Um, the night before, and the body, the night before the body was found, they thought maybe he was drunk or asleep <laughs> and left him be. Did you read that? I just read it as you, right after I said it, and I was like, "Where's she at on here?" And then I saw this. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Okay. So the heart was of okay. So and here's the autopsy. The heart was of normal size and normal in every way. Way small vessels, not commonly observed in the brain, were easily discernible with congestion. There was congestion in the pharynx and the gullet, and covered with a whitening of superficial layers of the mucosa, which so covered with mucus. What's yeah. the gullet? Do you know? Uh, I think that's somewhere like right here, like. Mm. Right before your stomach. Yeah, because they said that they're mentioning all this upper. Yeah, gastrointestinal, huh. yeah. like the upper, was covered with a whitening of superficial layers of the mucosa with a patch of ulceration in the middle of it. The stomach was deeply congested. There was congestion in the second half of the duodenum, which is uh, right, it's like this little, like, tiny, I think it's like half inch or maybe even an inch. It's right before your, it gets to your stomach. Yeah. Um, there was blood mix. I, if I remember my anatomy correctly, I could be wrong. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. There was blood mixed with the food in the stomach. Both kidneys were congested, and the liver contained great excesses of blood in its vessels. The spleen was strikingly large, with three times, uh, about three times the normal size. There was destruction of the center of the liver, lobules, lobules. Um, revealed under the microscope acute gastritis hemorrhage extensive congestion of the liver and the spleen and the congestion and congestion to the brain the autopsy also showed that the man's last meal was a pasty what we talked about pasties the last time it is a pasty not a pastry yeah eaten three to four hours before death but tests failed to reveal any foreign substance in the body the pathologist, Dr. Dwyer, concluded, I am quite convinced the death could not have been natural. The poison I suggested was a barbiturate or soluble hypnotic. Although poisoning remained a prime suspicion, the pasty was not believed to be the source of the poison. 
Other than that, there's some poisons that, that just disappear like, out of your body. But yeah, but they like create. So you know when you're cleaning the bathroom, right? Have you ever accidentally gotten bleach mixed with yes, something else, and it creates all the like gas? Yeah, and then you're like your nose is running and you're coughing. Right. They, it creates all of that. That would make me think of like all the secretions. You know oh, what I'm talking yeah. about? Like all the mucusy stuff and things. So maybe um, it wasn't something he ingested. It could have could been be something, something like inhaled, a gas in the air. Yeah, something being combined with something that's toxic. Right. Except that they said that his body showed no outward signs of trauma. But it wouldn't. It wouldn't have to. Right. It's, if they if he was, it up. It, it, yeah. If it was something that he inhaled or that they, yeah, something he inhaled, it would like, the fumes would create all, if you, if you mix bleach with something and you inhale it, it could be deadly because right. it makes your lungs, it makes everything just but go would crazy. it like have outward signs like your lips would turn blue or your eyes would like, your blood vessels, like any I think kind your of- blood vessels could because it expands everything right. and causes the mucous membranes and all of that to go crazy, but I don't know about anything else i mean it wouldn't cause like lesions on your skin or anything like that yeah but i didn't say he had lesions on his skin no it sounded like all it's the all internal were, yeah it sounded like everything was internal mm-hmm. um so there was i mean obviously they didn't like get any basically kind of, i would know how to kill somebody it sounds uh, you, like you're kind of scaring me right now <laughs> and you're scaring shadow, shadow I, I mean she is starting to on. get a little antsy isn't she all right. Uh, un- unable to get a positive identification on the man, his body was embalmed on December 10th, 1948. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I think I missed something. Other than that, the coroner was unable to reach a conclusion as to the man's identity, cause of death, or whether the man seen alive at Summerton Beach on the evening of no- November 30th was the same man as nobody had seen his face at the time. It just did that weird it's thing again. It's doing it again. I think it's Shadow. Maybe it is. Hey, hey, hey! Get away from those cupcakes. Hey, Shadow. <laughs> hey, I gotta rescue these. <laughs> He's just following them. She's like, um, I'm, she, oh. I'm taking a taste of those cupcakes. All right, so on January 14th, 1949, a suitcase was discovered by the staff of the Adelaide Railway Station. Okay. It was brown, and its label had been removed, which had been checked into the station cloakroom after 11... A.M. on November 30th, 1948. So the day he possibly died, it was that morning that this suitcase was checked into the cloakroom. A mysterious. Yes. It was believed that the suitcase was owned by the man found on the beach. And in case in the case was a red checked dressing gown, a size seven, red felt pair of slippers, fancy, four pairs of underpants. Pajamas spelled with a Y. Oh. Shave, I just, I That's copied and pasted that. Um, shaving items, and by the way, I got a lot of this off of Wikipedia, so. Shaving items, a light brown pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, an electrician's screwdriver, a table knife cut down into short, sharp instrument. Wait, a table knife cut down into a short sharp instrument why would he need that so they made a table knife that's already a weapon he made into a more of a shit yeah i was gonna say shiv yeah 
A pair of scissors with sharpened points. A s- well, don't all scissors have sharpened points? Yes. Okay, that's weird. This is not making any sense. Unless they're kid scissors with the round. Yeah. A small square of zinc thought to have been used as a protective sheath for the knife. And scissors and a stenciling brush as used by third officers on merchant ships for stenciling cargo. Also in the suitcase was a thread card of Barber brand orange wax thread of an unusual type not available in Australia. It was the same as that used to repair lining in the pockets of the trousers the dead man was wearing. All identification marks on the clothes had also been removed, like on his clothes that they found him in. Weird. Um, But the police found the name T. Keen. K-E-A-N-E, on a tie, keen on a laundry bag, and keen without a last, the last E on a singlet. What's a singlet? I don't know. Along with three dry cleaning marks. You'll have to look that up. That's some... Oh, I got you, girl. Okay. Police believe that whoever removed the clothing tags either overlooked these three items or purposely left the keen tags, keen with an E, on the clothes, knowing keen was not the dead man's name. With wartime rationing still enforced, and this is 1948, so it's like three years after World War II, um, clothing was difficult to acquire at that time. Although it was very common practice to use name tags, it was also common when buying secondhand clothing to remove the tags of the previous owners. What was unusual was the fact that there were no spare socks found in the case, no correspondence, although the police found pencils and unused letter stationery. It sounds like a singlet is just a t-shirt. Oh, really? Like an undershirt. Oh, okay. Yeah, like this, see? Interesting. Like... <laughs> okay. Yeah, because that's what this says. A garment under... Okay. Ah. A All garment right. worn under or instead of a shirt. Down under? Down under. Down An under. An shirt. T-shirt. Right. <laughs> t-shirt. Sleeveless. It's I, sleeveless. I so love that t-shirt. we learn something new every day. I mean, a singlet. I'm glad I learned it with you. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make my eyes look dreamy. Did it work? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Police checked incoming train records and believed that the man had arrived at the Adelaide railway station by overnight train from either Melbourne, Sydney, or Port Augusta. They speculated he had showered and shaved at the adjacent city baths. There was no baths ticket in on his body so i guess you had to have a picky picky but a picky you had to have a picky you didn't have it okay okay Okay. all right before returning to the train station to purchase a ticket for the 10:50 a.m train to henley beach which for whatever reason he missed and did not catch well apparently he he died he died Uh, okay so there was an inquest uh into the death conducted by the coroner thomas erskine cleland commenced a few days after the body was found but was adjourned until 17 june 1949 the investigating pathologist john burton cleland re-examined the body and made a number of discoveries cleland noted that the the man's shoes were remarkably clean and appeared to have been recently polished, rather than being in the state of it expected, the state expected of the shoes of a man who had apparently been wandering around Glen, Glenelg all day. Mm. He added that his evidence fitted in with the theory that the body might have been brought to Somerton Beach, and that was a theory I heard on some of the um, 
YouTube videos that I was watching that he'd been carried to, he was possibly killed somewhere else. So he could get, like your theory, like it could have been gas, cleaned right. up, and then carried and just dropped off. Um, but God, was he not a very big man? It doesn't sound like it. No. I mean, what was, there was, we had his measurements somewhere here. Wasn't it like five, six? He wasn't very big. Mm. He wasn't for a guy. I don't know where it is. Did it say what his measurements were? Yeah, it did somewhere. 5'11". Okay. 5'11". He wasn't super tall for a guy. No, he's average. Sorry. I have to find my place again. Um, he added that this evidence fitted in with the theory that the body might have been brought to Summerton Beach after the man's death. Okay, I already read that. Mm-hmm. Accounting for the lack of evidence of vomiting and convulsions, yeah. which are the two main physiological reactions to poisoning. Um, early in the inquiry, Cleland stated, I would be prepared to find that this, that he died from poison, that the poison was probably a glucoside, and that it was not accidentally administered. But I cannot say whether it was administered by the deceased himself or by some other person. Despite these findings, he could not determine the cause of death of the Somerton man. Uh, Cleland remarked that if the body had been carried to its final resting place, then all the difficulties would disappear. All right, so um, Tom and Shud, how he got this name. Around the same time as the inquest, police discovered a secret pocket in the waistband of the man's pants. Maybe he was a secret agent. Hold that thought. (laughs) <laughs> Inside, they found a piece of paper rolled tightly, bearing the words Taman Shud. This phrase appears at the end of the Rubiyat of Omar Khayyam, an 11th century book of Persian poems. And when translated, the word, words mean the end or finished. What? Finito. What? Oh, that looks so scary. Doesn't it? Yeah. In the weeks following the discovery, a businessman came forward with a copy of the Rubiat. He claimed it had been thrown into his car through an open window, and when police turned to the back of the book, they found the final page where the words Tom and Should should have been torn out. So that was the actual book. More intriguing, though, was the writing on the back cover of the book, five lines of letters and at least one phone number. The letters couldn't be decoded, but the telephone number led police to the doorstep of a young nurse. Her name was Jessica Ellen Joe Thompson. She Did she know who Summerton Man was? Despite now being buried, a plaster cast of the Summerton Man's body had been made. And when the nurse was asked to identify it, she looked like she was going to faint. So they walked away thinking... She, even though she said she didn't know this person. She does. She, she knew this person. I think she's an agent, too. However, the de- she denied ever knowing the man. And she also reported that at some time in, the late, 19, in late 1948, an ide- unidentified man had attempted to visit her and asked a next-door neighbor about her. It sounds like she's just, like, trying to push off the scent of whatever. Yeah. At the time, police felt sure the nurse knew more, but without evidence of motive, no more leads, and no real suspects in the frame, in the frame, his death was declared a suicide, and the case went cold. What? The nurse asked for her name to be scratched from the case file, and with murder ruled out, the police had no choice but to comply. 
course she does, because she could be next on the list. Right. Thompson also said that while she was working at Royal North Shore Hospital in Sydney during World War II, she had owned a copy of the Rubiot. Interesting. Hmm. In 1945, at the Clifton Gardens Hotel in Sydney, she had given it to an army lieutenant named Alf Boxel, who was serving at the time in water transport section of the Royal Australian Engineers. Thompson told police that after the war ended, she had moved to Melbourne and married. She said that she had received a letter from Boxall and had replied telling him that she had now married. There's no evidence that Boxall had any contact with Harkness after 1945. Um, I think her maiden name is Harkness. So there's Thompson and Harkness. As a result of their conversations with Thompson, police suspected that Boxall was the dead man. However, in July 1949, he was found in Sydney, and the final page of his copy of the Rubiat, reportedly a 1924 edition published in Sydney, was intact with the words Tom and Shoot still in place. Boxall was now working in the maintenance section at the Randwick bus depot where he had worked before the war and was unaware of any link between the dead man and himself. Convenience story. Anyways. <laughs> in the front of the copy of the Rubiot there was given, that was given to Boxall, Jessica Harkness had signed herself Justin. What? J-E, capital J, capital E, Stin, S-T-Y-N, and written out verse 70 of the Rubiat. Interesting. And this is the verse. Indeed, indeed, repentance oft before. I swore, but as, but was sober when I swore. And then, and then came spring, and rose in hand. My threadbare penance, a piece tore. That's the poem. Okay, hold on. Well, she's a nurse, so right. she knows how to make a concoction that would kill somebody. This is true. And that poem has some hints to, didn't they find like some thread and Well, wax? they found that, that, yeah, they found that piece of paper. Yeah. The thread. A piece tore. Yes. Okay. I'm like, there's some clues in there to stuff that they found on him. Right. right? I mean, it's, it's all very. To me. Sounds convenient, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough... Okay, now I can't talk. Uh, Thompson's daughter, Kate, in television interview in 2014, so just a few years wow. back, with 60 Minutes, her, her daughter also said that she believed her mother knew the dead man. I think so. If she didn't have something to do with it herself. Right. So then there was also spy theories because you think the Cold World, Cold War is kicking up. You know, it's right after Yeah, well, World that's War exactly II. what I was thinking. I think that they were both spies. You think I think so? she was a spy, too. I think a lot of people think that there's this uh, spy theory has merit. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, there's been persistent speculation that the dead man was a spy. At least two sites relatively close to Adelaide were of interest to spies. The Radium Hill, Uranium Mine, and the Woomera... Woomera? Woomera? Woomera. Say it with an accent. <laughs> now that you told me to, I can't. Woomera. Woomera Task Range. Oh, now I just sound like I'm from A Alabama. Texas or something. Um, sorry to Alabamans. Texas Alabamans, and all. Texans. All the southern we're states. We're always insulting you. Sorry. We, <laughs> we We insult British, <laughs> Texas. 
Spanish, Mexican. Oh, God. We, do, we yeah. do a really terrible job of trying to do accents. An Anglo-Australian military research facility. Um, the man's death coincided with reorganization of Australian security agencies, which would culminate the following year with the founding of the Australian Security Intelligence Organization, ASIO. This would be followed by a crackdown on Soviet espionage in Australia, which was revealed by intercepts of Soviet communication under under the Venona Project. Hmm. Interesting. Another theory concerns Alf Boxel, the guy that she gave that book to, who was reportedly involved in intelligence work during and immediately after World War II in 1978. Television interview, Stuart Littlemore asks Mr. Boxel, Mr. Boxel, you had been working, hadn't you, in an intelligence unit before you had met this young woman. Did you talk to her about that at all? In reply, Ply Boxall says, no. And when asked if Harkness could have known, Boxall replies, not unless somebody else told her. When Littlemore suggests in the interview that there may have been espionage connection, uh, an espionage connection, that changed my page, sorry. Um, to the dead man in Adelaide, Boxall replies, it's quite a melodramatic thesis, isn't it? <laughs> He's playing it off. Right. So that that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, so and then there's the burial. In 1949, the body of the 1949, the body of the unknown man was buried in Adelaide's West Terrace Cemetery, where the Salvation Army conducted the service. The South Australian Grandstand Bookmakers Association paid for the service to save the man from a pauper's burial. That was nice. That's- sad though that how many people oh goodness how many people that first of all there's so many interesting stories out there right. that have died along with all those secrets and stuff right be so that's why i thought this was like interesting because it's like really, i've never heard the story nope i was like uh you know it's right around the time that we like to talk about yeah and it's all like, the truth has died with all these little nuances to the story yeah so you're like left to make up your own what do you think what do you think happened like is it super sinister and like committed suicide i don't think so i i think the nurse had something to do with it maybe somebody that she knew he knew like i i think it was like they were all maybe he knew too much yeah maybe he was gonna blab betray it was a love triangle Ooh, could and be. The other guy wanted to get rid of that dude. Could be. Who knows? Maybe he wasn't doing his part, and they were like, "Let's get him out of here." <laughs> <laughs> Not like they were in New York or anything. Right. Not like that was even close He's to New York. With the fishes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, years after the burial, flowers began appearing at the grave. Police questioned a woman seen leaving the cemetery, but she claimed she knew nothing of the man. Hmm. About the same time, Ina Harvey, the receptionist from the Strathmore Hotel opposite Adelaide Railway Station, revealed that a strange man had stayed in room 21 or 23 for a few days around the time of the death, checking out on November 30th, 1948. She recalled that he was English-speaking and only carrying a small black case, not unlike the one a musician or a doctor might carry, 
When an employee looked inside the case, nosy ass motherfucker, mm-hmm. he told Harvey he had found an object inside the case he described as looking like a needle. What? Yeah. And the plot thickens. On November 22nd, 1959, it was reported that one E.B. Collins, an innate inmate, innate inmate, um, of New Zealand. Oh my God. I'm going to all right, an inmate of New Zealand's Wanganui prison <laughs> claimed to know the identity of the dead man. I'm gonna start calling this the Wang Tang Home. Welcome to the Wang Tang Home. Wang Tang. <laughs> you want Wang Tang? <laughs> Did we just drink Wang Tang? Uh, we're, let's make a drink called the Wang Tang. The Wang Tang Bloody Mary. Yep. Wang Tang. Wang, Wang Tang. tang. All right. Or two Tang. We're just making shit up. <laughs> Um, a number of possible identifications have been proposed over the years. In Adelaide newspaper, the news published a photograph of the dead man on its front page, leading to additional calls from members of the public about the possible identity of the dead man. I'm sure they got tons of calls. Um, and, of course, as always, I'll post pictures of, you know, what the guy looked like on Instagram and Facebook and probably on Twitter. It's just like today, though. A lot of those calls don't go anywhere. Right. Just exactly. nosy people. Because they have so many people, so many things, and they have to sit there and you have out. a human on the end, other end of the line, and they're like, okay, this is a whack job. I'm putting this in this file. You know what's crazy, though? It's, it's usually the one that they're like, this is a whack job, and it's the real thing. Right. That's like the answer. Right. Like when but I like called I said, about Jesse Shockley. Exactly. They're, but they just think about how many phone calls they get. Oh, I know. And they have to weed through that. They have to figure out which one's like true. Right. That's um, what I can do. Leading to an addition. <laughs> sweaty balls. Did you just balance a sweaty ball on the tip of a cucumber? Oh, is that a celery stick? <laughs> Is that an olive? It was. Alrighty. Hey, that's... That's what we're going to call it. What? Sweaty Balls Bloody Mary. Can we get in trouble for calling it the Sweaty Balls Bloody Mary? I mean, what if we say we give Saturday Night Live credit? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... All right, so a number of... Okay, the news published a figure... Where was I? By December 4th, um, police had announced that the man's fingerprints were not on South Australian police records, forcing them to look further afield. On December 5th, the advertiser reported that police were searching through military records after a man claimed to have had a... drink with a man resembling... The dead man at a hotel in Glenelg on uh, November 13th. During their drinking session, the mystery man supposedly produced a military pension card bearing the names. This, okay, I just have to say, this is so much easier to hold this than yeah. like what we do at the house. Like, because I feel like I control my voice. Oh, you mean like instead of keeping it on your yeah, and table. I can read much better because we have a clip on the table. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe we can just switch up to this. Yeah. Um, anyway, sorry, start mi- stop mid-sentence there. Uh, I was saying during their drinking session, the mystery man supposedly produced a military pension card bearing the name Solomonson. 
In early January 1949, two people identified the body as that of 63-year-old former woodcutter Robert Walsh. A third person, James Mack, also viewed the body, initially could not identify it, but an hour later, he contacted police to claim it was Walsh. It turns out it wasn't him. Like, I can go into all the detail of why it wasn't him, but it wasn't him. I wonder if... They had DNA stored. Well, apparently. If they'd be able to figure it out now. They exhumed his body and they got three hairs. I don't know if they exhumed his body, but I was reading something where they got three hairs and they got some good DNA off of him. And apparently the Hablo group that he belongs to is literally only 1% of the population of the world. So it feels like they could just like figure figure out Like who he's connected to. Yeah. Because that's I what I was thinking. Even if he didn't have kids, he was related to somebody. Right. Somebody gave birth to him. That somebody's related to somebody. They probably had kids. He's got to have something somewhere that would be able to figure out who he was. Well, and there was also, I guess, like the daughter of that lady. Yeah. There's some possibility. I didn't put it in here, but there was some possibility that she might be his daughter. No. Yeah. But, yeah. What? Yeah, I didn't put it in there because it all seemed pretty far-fetched. Yeah, because it made it sound like he wasn't that old. Right. And that she was But he was 40-something. He was in his 40s. Oh. And so the daughter came way after. I mean, she's, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean. There's a possibility. You never know. So, um, there have been numerous unsuccessful attempts in the 60 years since its discovery to crack the letters found at the rear of the book, including efforts by military and naval intelligence, mathematicians, amateur code crackers. In 2004, retired detective Jerry Feltis suggested in a Sunday Mail article that the final line, I-T-T-M-T-S-A-M-S-T-G-A-B, all together, all in caps, could stand for the initials of it's time to move to South Australia Mosley Street. That is complicated. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was spy. If the spy theory is, yeah. it could be. The former nurse lived in Mosley Street, which is the main road from Glenelg. A 2014 analysis by computational linguist John Relig strongly supports the theory that the letters consist of the initials of some English text but finds no match for these in a large survey of literature and concludes that the letters were likely written as a form of shorthand, not as a code, and that the original text can likely never be determined. So that's the end of my story. They never, they haven't figured out like who he is. Like he's still unknown. This poor guy. If I was in, if I was a college student and I was taking classes like on criminal justice or something, that's the kind of paper I would do. Yeah. Like do research on that. Apparently there's some books out there. Like there's some people that are like been trying to crack that code and try and figure out what it is. Like it's pretty mysterious. There's gotta be a way to figure out who he is. I mean, by the DNA alone. So yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting story. It was. Pretty interesting true crime Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So should we take a break really quick so I can make a drink? Yes. Okay. We're going to take a break, folks. Yeah. These are good. I like the lemon in here. Okay. So mine is on. I can't look at you. I have to do this because like of the glasses. Granny. Now you look like a granny when you're doing that. Oh, 
funny. My story happened long ago. <laughs> that sounds like a witch. It was a lighthouse in the middle of an island. Wait, wait. So anyway, yes, it was a lighthouse. Should I just read it? Yeah. Well, what's the lighthouse? Where is it at? It's in Scotland. Um, Ooh, Scotland. Yeah, it's so pretty. So I'll just describe the island, even though I might repeat myself, okay? Because I want to get a visual. Okay. Give us a visual. It is. I can show you, but they can't see. But see how pretty... It's surrounded by green. Super green. It's on basically a giant rock. It's called the Eileen Isles or whatever. I don't know. Eileen Moore. Okay. Anyway. And uh, anyway. Yeah. It's like it's on really rough terrain terrain because it's got, it's just surrounded. Like this is really pretty, but on the edges, it's just like really rough rock. Right. So it's like got, um, cause you know, the waves and the tides just have made it really crazy. And then this. Is that a carn? It's a little chapel. Oh. Because there's seven of these little islands that are named for seven priests. Right. Which I'm, I'll probably read about. And, um, but anyway, that was a little chapel next to the lighthouse. And then that lighthouse is for on the mainland you know they have the boats take off so they thought they'd put this lighthouse here to help direct right interesting this. that we went from uh australia to, to, to scotland. scotland that is scotland. weird scotland well forget about I we're, love, we're not gonna butcher okay, them let's either. not let's not talk about jamie <laughs> i mean it is so pretty you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. but i mean that's just so crazy. is it, it in the highlands it is it how do you know about all that because uh i became a very i just loved outlander so i oh, wanted to know everything yes. about scotland i love outlander because, uh, actually me I, and my friend lorraine and also uh me and yvette and all of us talked about like doing a group trip to scotland oh my god oh i got chills that would be so much fun really oh god i'd be blast yes i think so too Okay, so yeah, it's the lighthouse is near the highest point of the Eileen Moor, one of the Flannan Isles. Did you get the hell out? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh my god, girl! All right. I've already drank my whole drink. And it's in the outer. Oh shoot, we should have done this yesterday. Why? What did I say? Hebrides. Hebrides, yeah. Of the off the west coast of mainland Scotland, Scotland is best known for the mysterious disappearance of its keepers in 1900. Interesting. All right, so I'll do a little. So the history is, I'll just go real quick. Cause <gasps> is there a recent movie about this? Yes. Okay. Does it have uh? Gillard, wait, Gallard, Gillard. What is his name? Is it called The Vengeance? Something like that. Yeah. I just it's I on watched Prime. It. Is it, it on Prime? It, Amazon yes, Prime? Yes. Right now, me and Albert have it marked to watch. Watch it. It looks really good. Yeah, I mean, it didn't get Gerard. Very, Gerard Butler. Yes. Okay. There you go. Okay. It's okay. so good. It's good because, like, I had just done the research on this. Right. And then I was like, oh my gosh, there's a movie. And then it said 
that it, it cost to watch the movie and I was like maybe it's been out long enough so I pulled it up and I was like it's free I'm watching it <laughs> and the movie kind of ruined my mysterious plot so I don't I want to read it tell you the like what people think because it's paranormal thoughts and then you can watch the movie and be like oh I mean, Interesting. That, that can make sense okay now I really want to watch the movie okay yeah Anyway, it's a 75-foot lighthouse. It was designed by David Allen Stevenson. Oh, and I'm getting this off of Wikipedia. Okay. Uh, For for the Northern Lighthouse Board. Construction between 1895 and 1899. So it took four years, right? Okay. It was undertaken. None of that. We don't care how much it costs. See, I wrote all this out because it doesn't matter. Do you care? I think how much how much did it cost to build? Well, in today's money, it was equivalent to about eight hundred thousand dollars. Okay, not too bad, right? Yeah, it's That's not, not very, very big. Much. It's not very big. It's not. I mean, it's got like in the lighthouse itself. It's not just like stairs to go up to. Uh, it's modern now. Right. Like they've modernized it since, but back then it was like the first. It was the first lighthouse to have um, communication, like the, how do they do that? Tele, you know, where they do the tapping. Yeah. It says on here, I just, wireless telegraphy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the, you push the little. (laughs) And then in the 1960s, um, the island's transport system was modernized. And then there's like a railway that they have that goes up. The, from the from where like the boat comes up mm-hmm. and then there's a railway and that's so that they can get the supplies up to the lighthouse really? easily. Yeah. Kind of so. like a tram or No, it's an it's actual there's like tracks. Oh. And then you know like I'm imagining you know like when they were building you know when they would go underground and they'd have like the box cars? Right. That's what I'm imagining they used for it. But they actually call it a railway. Okay. But it's just so they could get, like, all the oil, because all that's heavy, the right. drums of oil and everything that they needed to fuel the, the, light. the light. Yeah. And it had to be lit 24-7, so keep that in mind. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah, it's um, the landing place is by means of cable-hauled railway. Um, this is powered by a small steam engine. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. In a shed adjoining the lighthouse, a track ascended from the lighthouse in a westerly direction and was curved around the south. In approximate center of the island, it forked by means of a set of hand-operated points humorously dubbed Clapham Clapham? or Clap... Clapham Junction? Yeah. Weird, right? Uh-huh. Humorously it, dubbed? Yeah. Why is that funny? I don't know. They must be making fun of something that we don't get here in America. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, we don't understand. I mean, there's like a little, there's a, some interesting little facts, because the, the fact is it's still up. Right. Um, it says on September 1971, the lighthouse was automated and a reinforced concrete heli- concrete helipad was constructed at the same time to enable maintenance visits in heavy weather. The light is produced by burning, what is that? Acetylene. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm super literate. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like to look stupid, so I was gonna let you do it. They're like you read that word. <laughs> and Luckily has a range. I can say it. <laughs> yeah, you figure it out for me. And has a range of 17 nautical miles, 20 miles. Anyway, it is now monitored from the butt of Lewis. Oh, butts Lewis. Lewis's butt? I guess. It says, it is now monitored from the butt, B-U-T-T, of Lewis. And the shore station has been converted into flats. Is it like butte? It's butt. <laughs> it's B-U-T-T, the butt of but Lewis. But butte would have an E at the end. Right. Interesting. <laughs> Just saying. Lewis's butt. I'm telling you, that's why I get so confused reading these things. Because I don't understand. Do you understand that? It- I'm just going to be like, okay, because it's a different country, so they yeah. have different ways of saying right. things. Fucking read it to you, so you figure it out. Butt of Lewis. <laughs> I mean, somehow they decided to bring Lewis's butt into uh, it. Okay. Okay, Poor so Lewis. now I will bring in the disappearance. Okay. So the first record that something was abnormal on the Flannan Isles was... On the 15th of December, 1900, when the steam, they call it the Arctor? Uh-huh. Okay. It's the little boat. Right. Okay. On a passage from Philadelphia to Leith. Uh, on a passage from Philadelphia to Leith noted in its logs that the light was not operational in poor weather conditions. So... You know, I said it had to be on all the time, and they just, something had happened, and it wasn't working. Right. And in the movie, they have their version of that. It's kind okay. of interesting. But anyway, when the ship docked on Leith on the 18th of December, 1900, the sightings was, the sighting was passed onto the Northern Lighthouse Board. The relief vessel, the lighthouse tender Hersperus, was unable to sail from Lewis and was planned on December 20th due to adverse weather. So I don't know if they're going to say anything about this, but part of the story is that in the logs, the, the, the one of the key, the head keeper was writing because they kept daily logs. Like he would say, Oh, so-and-so is crying and this one's praying and the weather's really bad and we can't see anything. And they were reporting bad weather like they, the visibility was really bad but when they looked back they were like the weather wasn't bad on those days right it didn't get bad until such and such like a couple days later right so that's part of the whoa like that's weird what are you guys talking about right okay so keep that in mind okay. so if i repeat myself just go with it Anyway, as planned on December 20th, due to adverse weather, it did not reach the island until noon on December 26th. The lighthouse was named by three men. Oh, sorry. Manned by three men. James Ducat, Thomas Marshall, and Donald MacArthur, with a rotating fourth man spending time on shore. On arrival, the crew and relief keeper found that the flagstaff had no flag. All the unusual provision, all the usual provisions, provisions, provision boxes, uh-huh. there you go, had left, had been left on the landing stage for restocking, and more ominously, none of the lighthouse keepers were there to welcome them on shore. Okay, some people say that they got their first clue that something was wrong because 
nobody was on shore and none of the supplies or like anything was visible to anybody this right. is saying a little bit different okay all right jim harvey the captain of the hearse attempted to reach them by blowing the ship's whistle and firing a flare but was unsuccessful a boat was launched and joseph moore the relief keeper was put ashore alone he found the entrance entrance gate to the compound and the main door both closed the beds unmade and the clock stopped all the clocks they said were stopped at the same time yeah returning to the landing stage with this grim grim news have another drink exactly. you know what I, I would that's drink. part of this but she guzzled hers already i know sorry i would have a drink but i drink it all it doesn't take it much for so carlene this is really hard to do when you've had drinks right <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so don't make fun of my hooked on phonics okay. because you try doing this after you drink people. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, the whole point of this. Though. I know. That's and I'm a super do. lightweight. So trying to read these stories when you're a little tipsy, a tiny tipsy tales. Oh, but so you're like reading like a five year old. That's why we're called tipsy tales. Oh yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Uh, okay, back to work. Where was I? Uh, they oh. had pulled up and... On arrival, uh, the crew relief keeper... All the clocks keeper, were stopped. The boat... Oh, yeah, the clocks were... Returning to the landing stage with this gr- grim news, he then went back up to the lighthouse with Hurspris, second with the Hurspris second mate and a seaman. Seaman. <laughs> she said <"See> me. <laughs> okay. uh, a further search re- <laughs> we're idiots <laughs> we're, we're five a further re- a further search revealed that the lamps had been cleaned and refilled a set of oil skins was found suggesting that one of the keepers so these um i think it's the oil skins they would wear like because of the weather so mm-hmm. when they went out right they would put these on and to find that that had been clean or that um it had been left was weird kind of weird yeah um the lighthouse he left the lighthouse without it um which was surprising considering the severity of the weather on the day of the last entry in the lighthouse log the only sign of anything amiss in the lighthouse was an overturned chair in the kitchen t- uh, uh, at the kitchen table. <laughs> we really need to. I think we're gonna. We need to start filming us doing this so right. people can get the gist of why this is so difficult. <laughs> and, and if they could see our gigantic drinks, yeah, I think the, they'd these understand. These glasses are pretty huge. They're pretty huge. Okay. The only sign of. Oh yeah, we already read that. There was no sign of any keepers, neither inside the lighthouse nor anywhere on the island. Moore and three volunteer seamen <laughs> um, were left. Shreddy balls. Shreddy balls. <laughs> seamen and shreddy balls. <laughs> oh, were left to attend the light. <laughs> <laughs> I 
literally made a dessert in my head of sweaty balls and semen. No, no, no. <laughs> what? No. You know, like round cinnamon balls or donut holes with powdered or with like cinnamon sugar and then. <laughs> I'm not with you. And then get some of that, like. You know the squeezy um, stuff that they use on cinnamon rolls? Right. And put that on it, and there you have shorty balls with semen. Okay. I should be a cook. <laughs> Sexually provocative food. I made you want a cupcake. I did. I, I totally want a cupcake now. Mm-hmm. Sorry um, if you guys hear me chewing. Oh my God, I was doing this. <sighs> <laughs> Captain Hot. Okay, so more in the three volunteers. Oh, yeah, I already did that because I went on this whole semen thing. Captain Harvey sent a telegram to the Northern Lighthouse Board dated December 26, 1900, stating this is the quote a dreadful accident has happened at the, Flannan, at the Flannans. The three keepers, Ducat, Marshall, and the at the occasional. That's what they called him. They didn't give him a name. Have disappeared from the island. The clocks were all stopped, and others. Part-time guy, the occasional. Yeah, they just gave. They just said occasional. That's rude. The clocks were all stopped, and other signs indicated that the accident must have happened about a week ago. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs, or drowning trying to secure a crane. Interesting. And I may repeat myself if this is in in here, but the part of this is the um, the fact that they so when they notice that they're missing, they also notice that there's like this humongous something ton boulder Mm -hmm. that had been moved. Right. Then there's like 200 feet of grass lifted and you know in shambles or whatever Mm -hmm. and then there was something else that had to been like man could not have done that alone and so that's what's that's i think that's what started all of the what could have had like these three men just disappear into thin air this um supernatural stuff has happened right like oh this island is also to the Hebernidians. Uh-huh. Hebernite. What do Hebrides? we call them? Hebrides? Hebernidians, uh-huh. I think they call them. Um, had always been known as, um, there's always been some kind of superstition surrounding it. So, like, it's always been known as, like, the cursed island and oh. had some, like, weird shit happening. Right. So, this to them. They're like, see, we knew, like the UFO, the aliens came, or mm. the something paranormal happened, or right. so. That's why I wanted to do this because right. that's why it sounds so. Out I there. Mean, well, yeah. I mean, reality. You're like, well, what did happen to yeah, them? Yeah, what happened that's to them? That's crazy. So does the movie really go into it, or it speculates? No. no well, the mo- Okay, so I'll finish reading this, and then... Okay, okay so... On Eileen Moore, the men scoured every corner of the island for clues as to the fate of the keepers. They found that everything was intact at the east landing, but the west landing provided considerable evidence of damage caused by recent storms. A box at 33... Uh, 108 feet... Um, 
above sea level had been broken and its contents strewn up about. Okay, so that box that they're talking about, they do address that in the movie, and I can't tell you because it might ruin the movie for you. Oh, man. I know. Um, but basically it has to do with more people coming on the island than just the keepers. Okay. Okay, so keep that. Okay. Um, iron railings were bent over. The iron railway... Oh, yeah, the iron railway path was wrenched out of its concrete Mm -hmm. see that's what they mean like what could have done that like how bad could a a storm be to cause such damage right and then they're thinking well then in the storm the men must have been swept away right but to cause that kind of damage that that place has been there and that kind of damage well and didn't you say there wasn't actually a storm and, and the storm didn't come until later, and in the entries, the, they had documented the storm actually being there, like, a couple of days prior, hmm. and there was no evidence of a storm. Like, so on the mainland, the fourth person is watching the island mm-hmm. from there. That's mm-hmm. the fourth person, the rotating person's job. I believe it's the fourth person that does that. And they never witnessed anything. It actually was... They had good visibility. Right. Okay. What happened to yeah. them? So what happened? That is freaky. But on the island, they're having all this torment, this bad weather. I mean, it's like the worst weather supposedly enough. Like um, one of the guys, it's written in the journal, the, the head keeper guy, had written um, so-and-so's crying. Well, why is he crying? He's known to be a very tough Guy, so right. they're like, why would he be crying over a storm? Like, why would that make him cry? Right. And then they're praying. Why are they? Pr- it's a storm. Like these guys have been through a lot worse. Why right. are they so freaked out over a storm? And then, hmm. according to the guy that's watching, and according to all of their their stuff, the storm hadn't even hit. There's so they're no all like, what is going on here? Maybe they're hallucinating. Maybe. Like they got but some then, mushrooms or but, something? But so what? Even so, how they, the, when these guys get to the island, they're not hallucinating the fact that the iron railings are bent over right. and concrete's yeah, been and lifted. What ca- and what caused that? Yeah, because three men couldn't have done that. That's not man-made stuff that could have happened. It would have taken machinery to do that. Ooh. Or a gigantic natural disaster, which according to documentation on the other on really the mainland it, there wasn't a giant storm to do such damage maybe it's, it was giants it's giants <laughs> it's it, was giant. Kraken, really it was the kraken really the kraken that's what they mean that's where they came up with that oh they show this in the movie but i don't know if this actually happened but at one point they go outside and there's dead seagulls all over the place Ooh. Yeah, so that's why I thought they were going to hit the paranormal side of things. So I was really looking forward to right. it. Like, I it's dark. It looks yeah, dark. Yeah, it's dark. And I was like, get it. Oh, my God. Yeah. You it kind of like reminded me of that movie, The Witches. Or The Witch. I haven't seen that. It's suspense. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because they do get a little delusional. The three of them. It's like they they were there for too long, but they're really only there 
well, for like, a short time, a few days. It, it like it kind of looks like they have cabin fever a little. Yes, and they kind of go off their shit, but but they weren't there long enough to go crazy. Right. It's so bizarre. So is there now? Is there like um, paranormal stuff going on there? So now it has been known to be haunted. Okay. So now they actually, people say that, I don't know what kind of things happen. Nobody specified that. I might find it when I'm reading, because I'm going to read stuff that I haven't even checked out myself. Okay. So we're all learning for the first time. Yeah. But it did say, um, even in one of the YouTube things that I was looking at, that little chapel I was showing you, the little stone. Yeah, it looks like a carn. Yeah, it's it's so tiny, but they crawl in it. And in the movie, they show them using it as a chapel. Like, they go in it. One of the guys uses it to pray. And then, but it's so small, you have to crawl into it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, they, what was I going, where was I going with that? God dang it, better have a fucking other drink. (laughs) You're welcome. It's still weird that we're doing this in daylight. It's weird that we're doing, but I I like this. I almost wouldn't mind doing this on Saturday, like afternoons like this. Better than because I have more energy. Tired. Yeah, I have energy. It's nice to, even though you got like not even two hours of sleep last night. No, but it's it's something about the daylight. Yeah, it is something about the daylight. Yeah, I'm having fun doing it, and we're not like on a time like oh it's getting late, your family's sleeping, whatever. I don't have. Uh, It's waiting for me. Yeah, or you have to drive (laughs) at night. I feel like I have a booger in my nose right now. (laughs) It's a good thing we're not filming. I can breathe. Let me just do a little picking. Okay. You want some? I'll I'll look away. No, here. (laughs) That's all right. You can watch. I'll give you some. We are five-year-olds. Okay. We're always five-year-olds. I love, you know, I mean, I'm gross when I don't drink. Right. And I'm off crazy. But give me a little Bloody Mary. Yeah. Or wine. And that wine last night. Oh, my God. That was holy delicious. Holy cow. Uno. We finally got to drink it. Okay. By the way, we folks, we kind of glossed over the fact that... <laughs> We've been doing this for a year. Uh, we hit our anniversary oh. on August 28th. So yeah. when we did the, because um, everything was just so whack that night, yeah. we kind of, I bought this bottle of wine, Uno, that Yvette had given me a while back and it had just been sitting there and I was like, oh, this is a perfect time. It's Malbec, um, Antigol, I can't even read the You rest should definitely of keep that bottle. I oh, love this bottle. It's a, we should have had awesome. all three of us. You know my favorite thing? when I was younger is when I would have wine with a group of friends or it was an occasion, we'd all ride on the cork. Right. And then you save the cork because you could, you should definitely save that bottle because so it's cool. It, it was that cork that we broke half of right. the cork and it was sitting on that little table that we were using to prop up our um, microphones on and it yeah. kind of rolled off and we kind of followed it with our heads. Yeah. And that's what called the caused the huge melee that happened in the, the middle of our podcast. Yeah. So if you guys listen to the last episode, you might notice like between the uh, beginning and the end, the sound kind of shifts. Yeah. Something happened. I don't know what it, happened. It 
it was spirit was messing. It I mean, was, I'm not kidding. They really messed the sound with our was stuff. great at the beginning. Yeah, it was and great. And at the end, like you I could did only my hear best. me. Yeah, I did my best <laughs> to fix it, but like it was just horrible. Yeah. I it was like I was having a conversation by myself, yeah, and you guys so were in weird. another room going, "Uh huh, right, Carlene." Yeah, it was mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah, yeah. I love my house in the daytime. I do love your house. I do love my house, but. Doesn't that doesn't it look so pretty in the daytime, even yes, though it, it needs does. like a paint job and some decor help? Do you ever do that? Just look at your house and be like, because your house is nice. I love your I have property. my moments where I sit back and I'm like, this is my house. Yes. Yes. I love that place where you could sit outside. Oh, our front porch. Yes. Oh my God, I love my porch. And the weather's perfect right yes. now. Yes. Last night was nice. We should. Last night was the perfect time to. We should record out there. We but should. I'm, but I, I don't know how it'll come across. With the elements and yeah, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It might just like be too much, but we could try. Yeah. I thought about that last night. It was so nice. Oh it would have been nice to sit outside. It's like a half moon out there. Yeah. The aliens were God, coming so, for us. Well, yeah. I mean, they were. We asked them to go home and then and they were knocking on my door. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Okay, we should drink for that one. Oh, yeah. Okay, so sweaty balls go, apparently. You say apparently a lot. That's I why I pointed out. I'll go, apparently. Because, you know, you know that little kid? He was on, like, Ellen, and he was a little redhead, chunky little kid, and he'd say, apparently. Do you know what I'm talking about? So every time you say it, I hear him go, hear Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> All right, so there is, there's all right. hauntings. All right, all right, all right, all right. Wait Where a minute. Where would we be at? Wait, I gotta wet my whistle. Okay. okay. But yes, um, so I'll see if they get to that point. But anyways, there looks like they wrote more. Um, so this says speculation and conjuncture. No bodies were ever found, resulting in national speculation in newspapers and periodicals of the period. All right, implausible stories ensued such as a sea serpent oh my god it was the uh the kraken the well yeah is that the kraken the um what do they call that the kelpies the oh the loch ness the loch ness yes anyway a giant seabird had carried the men away um they had arranged for a ship to take them away and start new lives they had been abducted by foreign spies or they had met their fate through the malevolent 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 i can't say it even though you're saying it malevolent malevolent there we go Whew. you got it malevolent there you go i have to really concentrate <laughs> do you ever have words like that yes. and then you're drinking and it Hello. makes it harder do you know me well yeah malevolent <laughs> I have to say it like I'm learning how to speak say it with me everybody malevolent malevolent presence of a boat filled with ghosts what the baleful influence of the phantom of the seven hunters was widely suspected locally oh I'm going to have to read what about that? that I don't know I'll forget about it I'm do you have a pen Phantom of, what did I call it? Phantom of the Seven Hunters. More than 10 years later, the events were still being commemorated and elaborated on. The 1912 ballad, Flannan Isle, by Wilfred Wilson Gibson, refers erroneously to the overturned chair and uneaten meal 
laid out on the table, indicating that the keepers had been suddenly disturbed. This wow. is what he wrote. Yet as we crowded through the door, we only saw a table spread for for dinner, meat, and cheese, and bread, but all untouched and no one there, as though when they sat down to eat, air they could even taste. Air? E-R-E. Alarm had come, and they, in a haste, had risen in, and left the bread and meat, for, the t- for at the table had a chair lay tumble on the floor. That was very complicated because of the way he wrote it. Right. Anyway, however, in first-hand account made by Moore, the relief keeper had stated the kitchen utensils were all very clean, which is a sign that it must be after dinner sometime they left. So the Northern Lighthouse Board investigation, do you want me to read any of that? If it's interesting. I have no idea. I didn't read this part because okay. I wasn't going to include any of that. But on, on the 29th of December, uh, Robert Muirhead, a light Northern Lighthouse Board superintendent, arrived to conduct... Now my nose is itching because now spirit is flying around because they make my nose itch. Why are they okay. flying around I right don't now? know. They're just playing. The official investigation into the incident, Muirhead had originally recruited all three of the missing men and knew them personally. Muirhead's examination of the lighthouse logbook revealed some highly unusual entries. Okay, maybe this is where they're going to talk about it. Okay, on December 12th, Thomas Marshall wrote of severe winds the likes of which I have never seen before in 20 years. He also reported that James Ducat had been very quiet and Donald MacArthur had been crying. Oh, see? MacArthur was a veteran mariner with a reputation for brawling, and thus it would be very strange for him to be crying in response to a storm. Log entries on the 13th of December stated that the storm was still raging and that all three men had been praying. This was also puzzling, as all three men were experienced lighthouse keepers who knew they were in a secure structure 150 feet above sea level and should have known they were safe inside. Furthermore, there had been no reported storms in... Okay. Furthermore, there had been no reported storms in the area on the 12th, 13th, and 14th of December, meaning that either the entries documenting the storm were made up or the storm was was highly localized. The final log entry was made on the 15th of December, stating storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. Right? And then they disappear. They're gone. And so... Um, he examined the clothing left behind in the lighthouse and concluded that James Ducat and Thomas Marshall had gone down to the western landing stage and that Donald MacArthur, the occasional, had left the lighthouse during heavy rain in his sh- shirts, in his sh- shirt sleeves. He noted that whoever left the light last and unattended was in breach because somebody had to be in that lighthouse area 24 7 right so no it was never supposed to be left unattended so he breached okay breached the rules he also noted that some of the damage to the west landing was difficult to believe unless actually seen so like we were discussing like how do you explain like that is 
can't be man-made right. damage. And so he wrote, in, from evidence which I was able to procure, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up till dinner time on Saturday the 15th of December, that they had gone down to secure a box in which the mooring ropes, landing ropes, etc., were kept, and which was secure in a crevice in the rock about 110 feet. So they actually showed pictures of this. And when you see the movie, it gives you a better idea of just how crazy. But it's it was just this, like this giant crack in the rock. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Ooh. Anyway, above sea level. And that extra large sea had rushed up to the face of the rock, had gone above them, and coming down with immense force had swept them completely away. Whether this explanation brought any comfort to the families of the lost keepers is unknown. The deaths of Thomas Marshall, James Ducott, who left a window of four children, a window, a widow and four children, and Donald MacArthur, who left a widow and two children, cast a shadow over the lighthouse service for many years. I don't know if I should read this one or the other one that I have. So these theories or the other one that has theories. I don't know which one's better, so... Should we just stick with this one? Okay. So this is later theories and interpretations. Subsequent researchers have taken into account the geography of the islands. The coastline of the Eileen Moor is deeply indented with narrow goalies called geos. Oh my gosh, you know what else? People, if you get on YouTube, you know, who have gone over there and videoed the island. Right. The seals that they have, like, you know how ours are like brown? Uh-huh. They're white over there. Oh. So pretty. The like Kelpies. They, huh? Have you heard that? The Kelpies? Uh-uh. Like, it's it's kind of like um, like mermaids, and they take you away. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait. Like I have heard of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's actually a movie um, or a show or something that with that. Really? Yeah. Like, they were, they're, like, ugly, though. They're like mermaids, but they're like kind of mean looking. Uh huh. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And then they would come and like take steal people. you away. Uh huh. But they could change into human form, mm. kind of like a mermaid. That's freaky. Yeah. It's crazy. In one story, they were talking about there were like sheep on this island, and I'm like, that it never said. Maybe on one of the surrounding islands, but uh-huh. nowhere did I ever see any sheep. Like in anybody's videos, they never said any sheep. I mean, one, how would they get there? How would they survive there? Right. It didn't well, it make any like sense. Well, looks like there's a lot of grass. Like it looks very green. There is a lot of grass, but there, that's it. Yeah. Like there's no way to get on and off the island unless you're in a boat. Right. So like there's nothing. They would have had to ship them. Yeah, on I mean. There. Like, bring them over by boat? Makes sense, like, how they would even get there. Yeah. I mean, so I don't think like there food, were... Like food, like chickens. Yeah, I don't think there were actual sheep, sheep ever no. on there. No. Okay. But, I mean, I could be wrong. Okay, so the West Landing, which is situated in such a geo, terminates, terminates in a cave. In high seas or storms, water would rush into the cave. This is giving, like, I don't want a reasonable explanation. I want, woo. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. It is possible that Mar MacArthur may have seen a series of large waves approaching the island and knowing the likely danger to his colleagues, ran down to warn them uh, only to be washed away as well as, oh, as well in the violent swell. Recent research by James Love discovered that Marshall was previously fined five shillings when his equipment was washed away during a huge gale. Um, it is likely in seeking to avoid another fine that he and Decott tried to secure their equipment during a storm and were swept away as a result. The fate of MacArthur, although required to, to stay behind to man the lighthouse, um, can be guessed to be the same. Oh, well. Love, Love speculates that MacArthur probably tried to warn um, or help his colleagues and was swept away too. Okay, see, even the reasonable explanations, again, doesn't explain the tearing up of things that bent... Right. iron and all of that so none of that makes sense and even in the movie um that whole thing doesn't explain the damage they don't even cover that right it's weird it's okay can, can i just see just so i don't regret not sharing this with you guys let me just make sure because i want to see if there's any okay that's the wave theory that's like they had a quarrel. So this says, um, one of the theories is, another common theory holds that the men had argued, which they do kind of play up this one in the movie, not to give anything away. One had killed the other two and then committed suicide in remorse. There wasn't any evidence to support this. The overturned chair didn't indicate a particularly violent struggle. struggle. Um, this was not perhaps a fanciful as fanciful a theory as it appears there was a notorious case at small's lighthouse in wales in 1801 where one of the two uh keepers had murdered Ooh, you maybe we'll have to do something on this sounds like true crime yeah uh had murdered so you should write that down had murdered well i mean you don't have to do it right now but had murdered the other in a period of bad weather had prevented any resupply or relief. The killer had reportedly deteriorated physically and mentally in his time alone on the rock. I wonder if it's something about like cabin fever, but like the air, the salt. Right. Like something that just makes them all mad. Yeah, but they also, they kind of cover this in the movie. The stuff that they use in the lighthouses back then, it's, it looks like a metal, so I'm not sure what it is. Like, it's a, a liquid that looks, it's silver. Is it quicksilver? Mercury? Because mercury oh, yeah. can make Mer you go insane. I think, it, I think that's what it is. It's a mer mercury. Yeah, that's why they called, because uh, hatters used to use that, mm -hmm. making their hats back, they, back in the day. That's why they used to Mad call them mad as a hatter. That's where I, that term came from. I bet. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that kind of drove them, like the people that lived in lighthouses or worked in lighthouses, if they got a little batty from that. Could be. Since that's that's what interesting. They used. Mm -hmm. um, spies. The early 20th century was a time of considerable paranoia about German spies infiltrating <laughs> the Another UK. spy story. Right. Um, it had been hypothesized that spies had visited the lighthouse and murdered the keepers for unknown reasons. Alternatively, the keepers could 
have been captured and taken aboard a boat, there is still the mystery of why one of them left his coat. Um, a sea monster. Sea monster and giant birds have been mentioned. Presumably, whatever it was came out of the sea or sky, snatched the men and ate them. Um, <clears throat> this idea, which kind of matches with like the paranoia of all the like um, herbinidid, what is it? Her, herbides, herbidians. Uh-huh. How they were you know, had their superstitions about that island. So that Mm kind of, I see them making that. Yeah. Like, that's what happened. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, The local lore. Yes. And they probably, like, scare their kids with it and their ghost stories. Stay inside. Right, right. (laughs) Better be a good boy. Better be a good girl. We're going to send you to the lighthouse. (laughs) (laughs) It was more fanciful suggested that... Some supernatural being had killed them, either the devil himself or the mysterious phantom of the seven hunters. The island was widely perceived as mysterious. It had old associations with with early Celtic Christianity, with a saint Flannan having built a chapel on the island in the 7th century. It's not entirely clear which saint Flannan. Um, UFO there was most, more than one. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that part of the seven? Seven saints. There were seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, more recently, UFOs and alien abdu- abduction have been blamed in. Okay. The and then there's a poem that I'm not gonna. I'm, I'll spare you. Uh, that's it. Oh, there's. Oh my gosh. There's a bunch of works. Doctor Who's story, there was one. Horror of Fang Rock in 1977. The Fourth Doctor, I haven't heard about that. They've done, like, little things that have to do with their theories about the lighthouse. That's interesting. Definitely watch the movie. What do you think? To me, it's paranormal because nobody knows. Right. Like, what exactly happened? How did did three men just... Disappeared into thin air. No trace of anything. Nothing. So, like in the lighthouse itself, is there like the is there reported hauntings? Like, is there anything interesting? They, I, I don't. They don't. Nobody digs into it. Right. Nobody. I looked for stuff like that, and there was nothing on it, even on YouTube. It because I was like, there's got to be something. Right. Nothing. It's nothing. all just. It's haunted. That's like, it. That's it. So people think it's haunted. So to me, it just kind of goes with their whole ghost theory. Right. Most people, I think, lean towards like the UFO. Interesting. Right. Because they, because of the damage. So they're like, a UFO came, aliens came and got them. They took them and now they're being, their butts are being probed. Yeah. For eternity. Ew. But listen, the reason I was kind of compelled to it is because when I did the Queen Mary and all all those stories where it was surrounded by water and we were talking about right. the water factor yeah. and how it's a conduit. Con- conduit? Con- thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, that made me think like, well. Oh, well, that's true. It is an island surrounded by water and it has, I mean, I kind of vicious water too. Mercury theory has and, like some kind of. Yeah. there too i mean but that doesn't explain them the, the metal the bending of the metal right all that other the ripping stuff, the, up the, of the rock and the rock yeah 
That's the only thing. Otherwise, like, the theory, even with what the movie shows, uh-huh. would make sense to me of how they they disappear. But, but then if you add, like, the destruction that happened, it had to be a very powerful storm, like, out of the ordinary storm. Right. I'm looking up the movie right now so I can... The Vanishing. Out there. The Vanishing. That's... I was like, oh, okay, isn't there another movie from the 80s yes. or the 90s called The Vanishing? And it's com- something completely different. Yeah, I got confused because I was like, wait, it says there's, it's called The Vanishing. So there were two. And so, once I found the one on Prime. He's so hot. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he plays a good guy that goes kind of a little batty, though. He's, he's <laughs> oh, a good actor. Oh, I bet actor. he does. He's a good actor. I bet he does. Gerard yeah. Butler. Why, do you hear this? Yes. It's getting all staticky? Yeah, it's weird. Now... Anyway, that's it for me. I'm done. You're done? Don't you think that's good? I don't yeah, know. I, know. I, I like it. It's a no, subtle like good, it. but I yeah. like it. Yeah. It's still paranormal, supernatural. There's a lot of questions. It's, what the hell? Yeah, it leaves you hanging. You can make up your own thing, like everybody seems has done. Right, I'm sure or, there's plenty of theories out yeah. there. And then, to me, it's like, how could it not be right. a little haunted on there? I love stuff like that, where it's just like, you just can't explain. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the true definition of paranormal, supernatural, whatever, because it's unexplained. I love it. I do too. I thought it was pretty cool. Anyway, that drew me to it. I want to find something that I could get my hands into next time where I'm like really spooked out. So if anybody has a suggestion, send it to me. Yeah, you guys, if you have any suggestions, uh, inbox us. You can send us an email on uh, tipsytalespodcast at yahoo.com or you can find us on uh, Instagram, Tipsy Tales Podcast, uh, Facebook, Tipsy Tales Podcast, and also on Twitter, Tipsy Tales Pod. You should. You can also. Do we want to see if anybody wants to recommend a drink? Yeah, for us because to- we're okay. So we're really trying to kick <laughs> off this whole Patreon thing because we really, really do want to do this thing where we go stay the night at like haunted locations. We gotta raise the money. Yeah, and uh, we're not exactly rich. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what our Patreon account will be for. So and if it you guys supports want... us so that we can keep doing this. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. We, we like doing this, we but doing it would this. be nice to... The support will help financially help us get better equipment and kind of keep us alive doing this. Right. Although it's super fun doing this, mm-hmm. it does take time. Yeah. Like the editing time, and all that stuff. takes and like money. Equipment and um, we'd like for our uh, podcast to, you know the sound to be a little bit better mm-hmm. like we love all that but you know it and we want to stand out we want to be different we right. don't want to be just true crime paranormal top podcasts like everybody else right we want to invest the money into making it different and more fun and hysterical yeah and be able to go places and maybe meet those that are contributing eventually exactly no yeah. that would like be like have awesome. meet and greet type things oh like, i'd love we're that not like wow i want to meet and greet arlene and alma but <laughs> we're gonna be kick-ass enough that you will okay you will <laughs> also do you want to give your facebook facebook okay if you want to reach me you can reach me at um psychic medium on facebook psychic medium carlene higgins facebook yeah well, i don't know whatever it's on facebook you put in psychic medium carlene higgins see you could tell i've i'm getting a little wasted um <laughs> Because usually I know it. Right. Um, and then I also at 
carlene.spirit at yahoo.com. You can send me an email. I also have like Twitter and stuff at Carlene's Heart is my Twitter. And also if you guys aren't like local um, to Phoenix or Arizona, you can call Carlene. She can do a reading Mm -hmm. over the phone. She's Oh yeah. FaceTime. I can FaceTime do readings FaceTime, old fashioned phone, um, over video messenger on on um, FaceTime. Right. I mean it is it's the same thing if you're sitting in my living room, I can do it over the phone. It's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) It is and so we were talking about how we're going to do these uh, little Patreon videos where we're mm-hmm. doing drinks. So if you guys have any drinks to suggest, like uh, Carly mentioned earlier, of course, we're going to put our own twist on it. Yeah. So like if you were like, you guys should make an old fashioned. We're going to see ways of making an old fashioned, just like we did with the uh, Bloody Marys. And right. then we're just going <laughs> to wing it and make our own version of it. And of course, you'll hear some of our other adventures right. as we're making yeah. the drinks. So anyways, we always saw bar we don't just go into the actual subject that, I think that's, that's nothing to do with the pretty actual much 90 percent of our podcast <laughs> you're, right. if you're listening because you want to actually hear about what we're supposed to be talking about sorry right hey well i think we do a pretty good job of finally getting the stories we out. do but you're not you can't just like oh i want to hear about we this. get distracted very easily exactly you're yeah. gonna get a little bonus <laughs> you're gonna get some crazy fun story and then you're also going to get antics. Right. Absolutely. Sweaty balls. Sweaty balls. So you just have way. to be prepared for that. But please spread the word. Tell your friend. If you like us, tell people. Yes, we are selling ourselves hard right now. Yes, we are. Oh, job. and since we're selling ourselves, can you guys do us a favor? And <laughs> when you're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, mm. subscribe and mm. let us know how we're doing. Give us a rating because it helps move us up in the ranks whenever you guys leave uh, ratings out there. So mm. if you could do that, that, we'd really appreciate it. Be awesome, possible. All right, guys, that's our show today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Alma. I'm Carly. Have a good uh, afternoon. A good weekend. Good week. weekend. Great well, weekend. They're going to get it on Tuesday, right. but have a good week. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Biscata, artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.